cut it there. Cut, cut, cut! And cut. Cut! 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 Terrific! Cut! And cut! Cut! Let's try it again. Cut! And cut! 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 Check the gate. Cut! Cut! Welcome to Cut, just another movie podcast. I'm Annie. I'm Angie, and we're two siblings that love movies. This week, as you can tell, we have our Christmas sweaters on. It's not Thanksgiving yet, but we're covering a Christmas movie that's about to come out December 2nd. Again, we were because of Beyond Fest, we were able to see it early. We saw it yesterday, and that movie is Violent Night, starring David Harbour. Not your typical Christmas movie. Not at all, by any stretch of the imagination. How do you feel about holiday movies in general? Because we grew up obviously together and I have a distinct memory of not watching many Christmas movies. I remember maybe seeing them in school, like the Rudolph one, the the claymation ones. It's a Wonderful Life. It's It's a Wonderful Life I didn't see until I was well in my 20s. And then A Christmas Story, which I hate, I saw when I was like 15. But everyone loves that movie. I hate it. And then I, I guess Charlie Brown, but that I didn't see until high school, probably or junior high. You know, the one Christmas movie I think that we did like was Home Alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it came out in real time, like it wasn't like it's like yeah. old movie. But I think that's like my first memory of really liking like a, 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 Christmas, a Christmas movie. movie. But even that film is in your prototypical. Yeah, you know, a Christmas movie. It just happens to take place during Christmas. And, and it's then, funny because there's a big connection with yeah. Violent Night and Home Alone. Um, but yeah, our family, we never really indulged in Christmas films. The other memory that I do have about watching anything Christmas related was The Simpsons. Watching the Christmas episode, which eventually that led to the whole series. Um, but yeah, other than that, I was trying to think of today, like what other genuinely Christmas movies that I really enjoy and it's I could probably count on I do on like the Polar Express. Polar Express is great. Although the animation I still think is I haven't weird seen it in a long time. So kids. I don't think I'm gonna see it. I think I'm just gonna leave it in my brain. Yeah, I think they did they try to be very uh historically accurate to the book, which led to the weirdness and the, the appearance of the kids. The the story is obviously great and I still get emotional at the end of the film, but I feel like the kids look weird. Also, I saw The Grinch again recently. And that movie. Yeah, Jim Carrey. That movie really holds up, dude. That movie's hilarious. Dude, there's so many of them now. You have the OG. Oh, I never saw the animated one. The animated one was actually pretty good. Like Angie was saying earlier, we got to see Violent Night last night at Beyond Fest. And if you've listened to any of our podcasts, which you should... And I forgot that we didn't plug our podcast. <laughs> so we're at Instagram at ComoviePod and on Twitter where we do updates. We post, again, these screenings that we get to go to, little screen grabs here and there, little previews of what we're about to do. And we also do a simulcast uh, on YouTube with a video podcast. So you can watch it there or listen, listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. The director, Tommy Wercola. Yeah. And uh, he was there. And this film was written by Pat Casey and Josh Miller. You might know wrote Sonic the Hedgehog and the sequel and are apparently working on Sonic the Hedgehog 3. So if you guys are fans of that, you have that to look forward to. And I know Tommy had directed another movie that you had seen, right? So Tommy's directed Dead Snow and Dead Snow 2, Red vs. Dead. 
which are two of my favorites. They're about Nazi zombies, but they're just really good movies. Just really good horror in general. Mm -hmm. And I think if I remember correctly, the first one is mostly in Norwegian. I could totally be wrong, but I think well, it's, he is from there. Yeah. So and then sense. the second one is more like English, Norwegian, but they're, they're really good movies. They're really hilarious. The gore is really funny. And yeah. So when I found out that he was, directing there that he had directed this one it all kind of made sense because the snow and i don't know it's just kind of fit this film comes out december 2nd so again it's right in the holiday season and i feel like this is sort of necessary especially because we're going to get bombarded with big blockbuster films we're going to get award season films and having said that it's a mixture of like a horror movie and with christmas um, I think it strikes a good balance of just something different, you know, because we get so bogged down with those films that I just mentioned that it's nice to see something that's was so fun. Uh, yes, it is violent. There are horror elements to it. And if you're not down with that, I'm sorry, but it's, it's still a good time. I'm not a big horror, horror movie fan, but I still had a really fun time. And, you know, the crowd was like incredible. They were super into it, super laughing at the right parts. And uh, just overall, I really enjoyed the movie. Definitely see it with as many people as you can, cause just because the reactions are so good. And like Manny was saying, the movie is coming at a good time because it's Christmas and, you know, we're not really used to having these kind of movies out during Christmas, especially about Christmas. But I feel like this year specifically has been such a weird kind of, year for horror because we've had, you know, the barbarian, we've had the pearl, we've had X, you know, all of these horror movies that are different than your usual horror movie. And they've all been really, really su successful so far. Same with, you know, smile. Um, it's been a really interesting year for horror and especially different horror, I feel. And so I think, I think violent night is going to be really popular. I think it's going to do really well. And we talked about as we were leaving the theater. Um, I think horror people are going to, you know, eat it up because it's right up their alley. Um, all the the um, kills are like super great. And again, tie in to Home Alone and we'll get that into the uh, spoiler part, which by the way, this first half is just us talking about the experience and what we thought of the movie. And then we are going to get to a spoiler part and we'll do, what should we do this time? We, jingle bells. We, jingle bells. bells. Okay. Yeah. Because that's not copyrighted. Oh, well. Maybe I could just find generic sounds of. Yeah, I'm sure of, there's uh, a common license bells. of bells. Okay. Spells. So we'll cue uh, bell sounds. Yeah. And then that'll be the cue to stop listening and go see the movie. And then we'll like get to spoiler parts. Like I mentioned earlier, David Harbour is in this movie. So he's like kind of the biggest name or, you know, the name that they're going with. And he's playing Santa Claus, which when I found out about this, I was kind of like, this is perfect. Like I could totally see it and it totally works. And I think he does a really good job as far as, you know, being this Santa. I know we've had a lot of people play Santa. Do you have your favorite Santa? I don't know. Like I can't really think of a Santa that stands out to me because again, I'm not the biggest Christmas movie fan. Um, Billy Bob Thornton. I know. I keep thinking of Tim Allen, which isn't my favorite. It's yeah, just the one that I keep thinking the of. The one that sticks out. Um, I would say that my new favorite is David Harbour. Yeah. Because same. he killed it. Yeah. He was perfect. 
coming off Stranger Things. I think that's one of the reasons why they cast him. And the writers even said like our first choice, our first pick was David Harper and they sent it to him and he's like, I'm down. And so he really knocked it out of the park, um, both in the way of sweetness, because that's one of the things that surprised me about this movie. Coming into it, knowing that it was going to be a horror movie, I thought, yes, the horror is going to overtake the kind of sweetness and and um, what the, the, the real meaning of Christmas. But behind all the grotesque and horror, there is sort of a sweetness to the movie. And David Harbour does a really good job of balancing, you know, both sides. Because in the very beginning of the film, you think he's just like a mall Santa that's just like getting drunk and doesn't give a shit. And then you realize that there's more to him than just that. Um, But I thought he did a really good job of balancing both being a badass and killing people and being a genuine, you know, Santa Claus. Yeah, I think the writing did really well in kind of doing both of those things because I've seen Christmas horror movies before and a lot of them, they're just kind of like a slasher. They don't really have like a Christmas message like you would expect from a Christmas movie. And so I thought it was really clever that they were still able to put a Christmas message into this Christmas horror movie and it worked. It didn't feel forced or anything like that. The rest of the cast is uh, Beverly D'Angelo, who's uh, Gertrude Lightstone, who is, she's a, you know, billionaire. Also a National Lampoon's vacation. <laughs> yes, which is probably the reason why they cast her too. And that was another one of those long shots that the writers talked about wanting to get her and her accepting it. Um, and she's Beverly D'Angelo, you know, icon. And John Linguizamo kind of fills out the rest of the popular cast and he plays the bad guy um, really well and really funny. Um, and again, it's such a, it's such a crazy idea to put on paper and then to have it be made into movie and universal, uh, headline this. So universal gave them the green light. And after you watch it, you're going to be like, how the hell do they like approve of all the kills, all the gags that they do? Because some of them are just like, so hilarious, hilariously bad and, uh, gory but so funny. Um, and I give props to universal for like really going for it because for a major studio to go for something like this, that, that kind of took me aback to think about. Like you mentioned earlier, the movie starts with, we're introduced to David Harbour as Santa Claus. And like you said, he's kind of seems like a mall Santa. He's at a bar with another mall Santa. He's getting drunk. It's Christmas Eve. And then we quickly learn that he's actual Santa. Or is he, or is he? And, that's kind of how the movie starts. We get introduced to Santa before we get introduced to anyone else. And then we see that there's a family and they're getting together for a reunion at their rich grandmother's house. And that's kind of how we get to know the rest of the players. When they're at this reunion, they become infiltrated by John Leguizamo and his like group of bad guys. And that's kind of where Santa and the family kind of intersect. Santa's delivering gifts to this house where they're being held hostages and then his reindeer leave him stranded. And then that's kind of where the movie starts. So he's trying to escape, but then we realize that he wants to save the family. And that's kind of where the back and forth goes between them. All these sort of encounters and battles and kills happen between Santa Claus and these, and John Link was almost like group of cronies. 
And, uh, and if you're a fan again of like horror and kills and literal in your face, like no holds bar violence, then this is the movie for you. If you're not into that, then I would say probably don't watch it. The violence that you do see is so ridiculous that it's like otherworldly. It's not really believable. And I think that's kind of what separates for me, like gore that I can stand versus gore that I can't. (laughs) It's like, how believable is it? And when it's so ridiculous, it's just, you have to laugh. Like Santa Claus's acts of violence are justified because they are so over the top and so hilarious that you can't help but like scream and like laugh as like, he's like going to town on somebody. Yeah. So when it is over the top and not believable, I think that's why you got the, the crowd response that you got. Um, and there's even a jab at uh Halloween kills, which was got a pretty good response. Yeah. I think too, which I thought was honestly better than Halloween kills. I think so too. And people in the crowd thought so too, when they yeah. talk, mentioned it afterward, another part that I really enjoyed of, about this movie that I didn't really see coming was that we get a Santa Claus origin story, like a little bit, which I thought was perfect. The amount that they gave us, because then you can kind of fill in the blanks and be like, well, I need to see more of that. In that sequence that you talked about, he does have a little flashback. And for a second, I thought, is this his past life or is he having like a mental breakdown or, or, you know, possessing somebody else's life. But basically there's another scene after that that shows a little bit more of the backstory and just in the things that he says, um, I love that part. It kind of helps you believe that Santa can kill all these people the way that he can. Cause before I thought it was just going to be like suspension of disbelief where you're like, it's Santa Claus. He's like a mythical character. Of course he can kick everyone's ass. But then with the backstory that we get, it just makes so much more sense and it kind of helps you understand why he can. And I thought it worked. I think it was really cool. And it also creates a realism in Santa Claus because that's one of the themes in the film is the questioning whether Santa Claus is real or not, you know, and in a world where of course, you know, adults don't believe in him and kids do believe in him. There's this back and forth with uh, the main actress, the little girl, where she's a thousand percent believing in Santa Claus and then no one else around her believes in, in Santa Claus. So again, it uses that motif in other Christmas movies, but because it does capture it in a violent reality of how he's able to like beat up people, it kind of makes you wonder like, that's kind of a cool way to ground Santa Claus in a way that's never really been done before in a movie. Yeah. in a way to kind of ground him to kids now, because, you know, like they're more likely to believe Santa Claus with that backstory. Being like, like, oh, yeah, that makes a Marvel sense. superhero. Right. You know, you know yeah. versus being like, he's just a man that like flies around, yeah, you know, lives like in the North Pole. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's tired now. And so this is kind right. of the new Santa. Being the horror expert that you are as far as holiday horror movies are concerned, is it up there with some of the better ones that you've seen? I think so. I think it's definitely going to be a classic. At least we'll play it here at my house. Every year we watch Krampus, which is my favorite Christmas horror movie. And I think doing a double feature with Krampus and Violent Night would work really, really well just because they're both kind of similar in, you know, sense of humor, the way it works and kind of having a message, even though Krampus isn't really that big of a happy ending, but you know, it's, it's, they're, they're very similar in the way that they kind of take Christmas legends and make them you know spooky or like fun. But I think it's one of the better ones that I've seen. 
So overall, you enjoyed it? Yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. It's exactly what I expected it to be. Actually, it was more than I expected it to be because I thought it was going to be more of just a slasher movie. Me too. I wasn't expecting, again, the sweetness, the positivity, the belief in Christmas and Santa Claus. That aspect, that, that surprised me in a good way. And it wasn't cheesy. And even when it was cheesy, it was funny. So they utilized the cheesiness really well. Um, but the, And so I think that's why it sort of passed my expectations because it, it combined the horror element and, you know, classic um, positive vibes of a, of a Christmas movie. What about you? As far as, you know, the David Harbour element and Santa Claus just like kicking everyone's butt, like that was exactly what I went to the movie for. Like it met my expectations. It's exactly what I thought it was going to be. But like you said, that element of there being an actual Christmas story behind it was really cool to me. I loved the origin story of Santa. Didn't expect to see that. And it, I thought it worked really well. And, you know, the kills were just great. Every kill, I feel every kill kind of surpassed the one before it. Like there was just so creative in the way that they did kills or even like there's one where Santa's like bandaging himself up. That was really creative. And I just think it worked. I mean, the movie was like an hour and a half long and it didn't feel short. It didn't feel long. It was just like the writing was just really well done and the way it was done. I really yeah, enjoyed it. I don't think I would cut out anything no, of either. the film. Um, the pacing was great. Um, it was shot well and it was shot in Canada. So all the snow scenes that you see are real. The fog that they're breathing out of their mouths was real. And that's one of the things too that kind of gets lost is that all the practical effects in the film, um, you could tell, and most of them, there weren't a lot of CGI. So a lot of the things that are happening are in camera and I appreciated that. And I know the, the audience appreciated that too. And that's sort of a lost start now too, where it's like when kills happen, there's either a lot of CGI or they're so low budget that they look really bad and fake but I feel like this was like a good in between a good balance of like both that made it believable, but also like, wasn't like so lo fi that it's like, you can see like it's a fake hand that like blows up. My only, my one complaint is there's a really big fight scene, like kill scene where Santa just goes crazy and they put it to a Brian Adams song that just doesn't work. Like it did not work for me. So if they could put a different song, I feel like it would have worked better. And that's the only complaint I had. And there were some continuity things that we talked right, about. Right, There's right. a few edit things that will that will say in the spoiler part. So some of it makes me think that maybe this isn't the final cut. And there's still, maybe. I mean, there's a few weeks left before it's released. But I also think about like, man, like it's been this long and you guys didn't catch these like continuity errors. But who knows? Um, but we're sort of cherry picking there. Um but you're right. That Brian Adams song didn't fit, didn't fit. But should we tell them why it's in there? The director talked about how it's always in the top 10 up in Norway. And so it reminds him of Christmas. And so he had to put it in. And I think they even re-recorded it just for the movie. So yeah. it's not the, the album version, but yeah, I wish it was something different. Like too. Mariah Carey. Imagine yes. that. That would be cool. Or uh, <laughs> Darling Love. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe that was too expensive. Maybe. Who knows? Now it's time for our spoiler review. So you're going to hear jingle bells, sleigh bells, bells sleigh bells, just bells. 
Okay, so spoilers. Favorite kills. Favorite kills is the last kill with John Languizamo. To set up the kill, this is towards the end of the film. Um, it's like a head-to-head battle with John Languizamo and Santa Claus, David Harbour. And they're in the middle of the forest and there was like a cabin, right? It's just like a chimney. But like a old, didn't, wasn't there a cabin they that were got like in a cabin. blown up? Yeah. So and yeah. It gets blown it, up, yeah. Yeah. So the cabin gets blown up and all that's left is like the chimney part. And even at that point, I was like, I still didn't put the, the dots together. I didn't either. <laughs> and I actually have to backtrack a little bit because we need to tell them what the chimney has to do with David Harbour, Santa Claus transportation thing. Right. So Santa comes down the chimney. We all know. But he does the tap but with he his does, nose. He taps his nose did to you, kind of. Did you think that was like a Coke reference? No. <laughs> no. Because I did. I mean, I, now that you say it, I guess. Because he just like does like. But like, it sparkles. Anyway, maybe Coke reference. So he taps his nose and it kind of like sparkles and it sparks. And then his body just kind of becomes sparkles. And then he goes and up he goes the up the chimney and that's kind of how he gets up the chimney. But only Santa can do that. Yeah, only Santa can do it. And then sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't throughout the movie. Um, and so there's this whole buildup to them like du- duking it out in front of the chimney. And I still didn't put two and two together. And then finally he like they're like, I think he grabs John Linguizamo. And he, he does back the, against the chimney. Yeah. And then he does the nose tap. And so obviously he turns into that, those golden stars or whatever, stardust and goes up the chimney. Meanwhile, John Linguizamo being a mere mortal gets dragged up the chimney. And by the time Santa Claus is up there by the chimney, he literally has John Linguizamo's torso and his (laughs) limbs are off. Like a stump. And then his like head like falls off. And so he just gets, got shredded up like that stone. And you can see him kind of fold in half, like when he's being pushed up the chimney. Which was really cool to see. Yeah, it was. I, did, I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie. Yeah, and then he just kind of drops the torso and you get this really fun close-up of like the torso just like ripped apart. Yeah, the crowd was like losing its mind. Yeah, that was, was one of the funner ones. Shit. I really enjoyed the... So the Home Alone, that whole sequence, I really enjoyed the Home Alone thing where Trudy kind of mentions earlier in the movie that she watched Home Alone and she loved it. And then she gets to kind of set up her own Home Alone trap. And so she does so by putting like a nail on the ladder that leads to the attic where she's hiding. But what the assailants don't see is that she's also broken one of the like feet of the ladder, one of the legs of the ladders. So as the guy kind of steps up, the ladder breaks and he lands like in first on the nail and it kind of just goes and like you see it like go through his, which isn't a kill immediately, but that got a really, really big reaction. And then it kind of just snowballs from there where you see things happening before they're about to happen and the guy like ends up dying. And then the other one that I really enjoyed was kind of like one of the first ones that we see with Santa where he's fighting one of the guys and he gets into this like weird knife fight. And then he ends up like trying to choke the guy with like lights or like tinsel or something. But the the very, very last part is that he ends up taking the star on top of a tree and like jamming it into the guy's eye. So like, it's like this and you can see it like protruding like this. And then the guy still keeps coming at him. So he plugs in the star and it kind of just like electrocutes his brain and his head catches on fire, which is really great. And that close up on David Harbour where he's like, he's beat up and he's like looking at him and then the smoke coming off the body being on fire is just like, 
Uh, just go away. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the head just keeps catching more yeah. on fire and fire. You know what's interesting? Did you notice the oneer leading up to that? I did. Because I think it was that fight, right? I don't know if it was. It's like when we first go into the house. Oh, no. The guy gets thrown out the window. Yeah. Yeah. So it's another kill, but basically before that, the star guy getting it in the, in the face, um, there is like a oneer. And again, if you don't know what a oneer is, it's a continuous shot, a long take. Um, and it's, I was like, wait, are they going to go for it? And yeah, it lasted for, I don't know, a few minutes. And then it cuts to a guy getting pushed out by Santa Claus uh, out the window. There's also the one in the very beginning where we're kind of introduced to the entire family. And that whole thing just kind of goes throughout the house and like ends up following the same guy without even knowing that it, it starts on the same guy and it ends on the same guy. And in the meantime, we go around and we like get introduced to all of these shitty family members, which I thought was really cool. One of the big references also besides Home Alone is like Die Hard. And the idea that Santa Claus is basically McLean, just in a Santa Claus cos- uh, costume. Um, I thought they nailed that part. And, you know, I think the writers even talked about how they had made this movie when they were in high school, basically based on that idea. What if like John McLean had been, you know, Santa, which I think is hilarious um, because, yeah, all the kills, all the action teams are sort of justified in that this family's, you know, been, uh, sequestered in their own home. And there's this like group of bad guys that are like holding them hostage. And then Santa Claus has to save the day reluctantly without wanting to be the hero. Speaking of John McClane and being a badass, another, there was another part of the movie that I really enjoyed where it's right after, I think it's after the guy's head catches on fire and Santa realizes that he's been stabbed. So he has to like, sew himself back up. And I thought it was really creative because he uses so many different Christmas things to like, he uses like the hook from the ornament as the needle. He uses like wire from a Christmas tree to like be the string to sew himself back up. And then after that, he puts like cotton, like these things on wrapping paper and like smashes it onto the wound and then like, like wraps it in ribbon, which I thought was so clever and so funny. That's one of the big reveals where you see David Harbour's like shirtless and he has all these like tattoos. And right after that is when we talked about how there's a backstory to Santa Claus. And the whole idea is that Santa Claus was a Viking at some point. I think is badass. And then when I saw it, I was like, of course, like it Mm -hmm. all makes sense. Yeah. And if you notice before his sleigh is like a Viking ship, it's like the front of a Viking ship. Which I noticed, I was like, that looks like a boat. It doesn't look like a sleigh. And then when they went to the Viking backstory, I was like, it's a Viking boat. Yeah. And so he has all these like Nordic Viking runes like all over his body, which I thought was really, really cool to see. There's a sequence where he talks about how he was like a warrior and he had a sledgehammer as his like primary weapon, which what did he call? Skull crusher. Skull crusher. That's right. The mansion where the family is being sequestered They have this like um, a team of like ex-military dudes that are infiltrating it and like special ops people. And Santa Claus is stuck in like this like garage and he's trying to find something to use as a weapon. And then I forget the sequence that he's talking to Trudy about 
how like his one wish would be to tell Miss Claus that like he still loves her, like something like that. And so he's like fiddling with his wedding ring and it falls. That's right. And, and it then rolls. the camera follows the ring as it's like rolling and rolling and rolling and it stops at like a sledgehammer. And that's when everyone is just like, oh, and yeah, he grabs the sledgehammer and he kicks everyone's butt with it. Which also, there's a lot of creative kills in that sequence too, which I, that's the sequence with the Brian Adams song that I just like, I wish it was a different song just because it didn't like give it enough. Like, like I get that it's funny because it's like a slower song, but also I feel like they could have lit that a little bit better because it was so dark at times. I liked that though. I couldn't really see, like I wanted, maybe I wanted to see like, you know, but you do, you could see the blood kind of go, you know, and you know, that he kills someone with a uh, ice skate. Is that the one where he like, yeah, the last guy, he like does it at the guy's neck and then like the camera pans back and it's like his body and then his body just kind of falls from yeah, his head. That's right. Which because I thought was like, really it's good. A, a, like a, it's like a wooden post wooden post or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, he just sit, like stabs him in the neck and then yeah, the rest of the body just disconnects. But I like that it, they, they didn't light it well enough. That could have been for budgetary reasons mm -hmm. because to do that may have been more expensive, but I thought that was a creative kind of in between of like your imagination fills the gaps mm -hmm. and you don't have to see everything. And sometimes that's more grotesque, but I see like, if you really are into like, just, just show it to it. me, yeah. <laughs> just show it to I me. I think you are just used <laughs> to it. If you just want to see it where you'd be like, Oh, I wish it was a little better, but I thought it was creative way to, to balance that, that sequence out. Let's talk about uh, Santa and Trudy's relationship. Cause that's kind of the heart of the whole movie. Trudy's belief in Santa and him kind of not really believing in himself. So what did you think about that? That's the biggest thing that surprised me of the movie and how much heart they had between them and just their back and forth because there's a setup and we'll be quick. Trudy doesn't get to go see Santa Claus at the mall. And that was like a thing that her dad would do. And to make up for it, he like mocks up this like walkie talkie that he finds and basically tells her, if you want to communicate with Santa, this is the way to do it. And even though he won't respond, he's always listening. So you can t tell him what, what you want for Christmas. And so that becomes the tool where um, Santa Claus at one point kills one of the, the bad guys and the walkie talkie signal gets mixed with the bad guys. And so he hears it and she's like, Santa, are you there? He's like, yeah. And, uh, and so they have this big back and forth and they build this relationship just through walkie talkies and Santa Claus, like we said in the beginning of the movie, he's kind of over it. He even tells a fake Santa Claus at the bar. He's like, this is my last year. I'm going to be Santa Claus. So he's lost faith in himself. Yet there's this little girl that totally and truly still believes in him, believes in him. And so it's because of her that he ends up believing in himself and is able to kill all these bad guys. And ultimately at the end of the film kind of regains the joy of being Santa Claus. So I thought the way that their relationship develops was done really well and just correlates with what's happening in the movie. It's not just these conversations just to have conversations, but it's connected with the plot in the movie and the bad guys coming in and, and it building up to like the last, you know, big set piece of action and, and all that stuff. So I thought the relationship was really well done and they played off each other really well. I really enjoyed that. It didn't feel forced. Like they were trying to force Christmas spirit into the movie. It, it really kind of worked with 
the real events that were happening and it kind of just played well off of everything. And yeah, like you said, most of the movie, they just kind of spend talking through walkie talkie, but they have a lot of really tender moments where they're not with each other. They're just talking through the walkie. And there's even a moment where he kind of tells her about Skull Crusher and how he was like really good at killing people, but he was a bad guy and he didn't really want to do that anymore. And then Trudy is kind of like, well, no, you can still, she kind of gives him the okay to kill people as long as it's for like a good reason. Yeah. And that's kind of the turning point for him where he's just like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to kill all of these bad guys now. And so I thought that was a really tender moment only because it played off well because of the violence that Santa's talking about. And then you have like the sweetness of Trudy being like, well, no, it's okay. Like you can, you can do that. And what's cool too is speaking of good guys and bad guys, Santa literally has a like digital scroll yeah, that he opens that up was cool. and shows you like who's been good and who's been bad. And obviously the bad guys with John Leguizamo are all on the bad list. And it shows you like what they did, all, they, all the shitty things yeah. that they've done. And the little girl, obviously she's on the good list. And right away, that's sort of the initiation of their bond. What I love about David Harbour's performance is that he goes back and forth between being the badass and being this like tender Santa Claus so seamlessly. And like you said, it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like over the top. When they finally do meet, the performances feel genuine. They don't feel, you know, overly done. And it's to their credit, you know, that their performances were so at the level where they needed to be. It wasn't too little. It wasn't too much. And I think all credit goes to David Harbour and the, and the, and the young actress. Yeah, especially those like last few scenes that they have together where, you know, we think Santa's dead and like he died. And then you kind of have this moment between them where um, Trudy is trying to convince her family to believe in Santa Claus because she's like, I really believed in him and you guys didn't. And then kind of one by one, they start being like, I believe. And that's kind of what brings Santa back, which like could easily be really cheesy, but it didn't feel cheesy in the movie just because... Some of them are hesitant to say that they believe, but then they kind of finally do. And as terrible as they are yeah. in the movie, like yeah. they're, you know, they're kids of a, a billionaire and like, they're just terrible people. They're, they don't have a lot of redeeming qualities. The moment where they do say, I believe, and I believe it's like the, I am Spartacus moment. It doesn't feel like cringy. Right. Like usually I can detect that stuff right away. And I'm just like, I'll do an right. arrow like, Oh God, here we go again. But it felt genuine even for as terrible of characters that they are in the movie. Um, And it's funny too, like the part where like uh, Santa Claus is dying and he's like, I'm getting cold. And then the one of the the aspects of the movie is that the reason why John Leguizamo is uh, sequester them is because he's trying to steal their money and their fortune that they have in the house. And at the end of the movie, you find out that the money was hidden somewhere else and they have the money where Santa Claus. And so the dad in the film grabs a stack of money and starts lighting on, on fire. And I thought, really, that's, what's going to bring Santa Claus back. Yeah. Just, I like was fire. Glad that, that didn't work. And so I'm glad that they went the extra edge of like, that it's the belief in him that ultimately sort of br- brings it back. And the other thing that I love is how, even Santa Claus doesn't know where the magic comes from. That was really cool. Cause there's like a handful of times where magical things happen and he's like, I don't even know how this stuff works. Right. And I love that Santa Claus is not about over explaining and like 
well, this is how like I, you know, pull yeah. all these um, gifts out of my bag. You know, even his bag is like a mystery. He's like, I don't know where the gifts come from. Yeah. Just- and the bag is cool because they literally at one point, one of the bad guys like opens it and he's like, what's in here? And then like he sticks his hand in it and it's kind of like a Doctor Strange like circle thing in the bag. He like sticks it in and then like pulls out a present and then he's like, what? And then he, he just keeps like pulling out presents. So it's this kind of weird, magical hat of endless gifts in the bag, which is funny because then it explains like how he can carry all of these gifts in one like sack is because there's just like of carrying out this massive bag yeah. and like all the flat earthers are like, whoa, that weighs too much. And it'd be like <laughs> physically impossible and he'd be traveling at the speed of light and yada, right. yada, yada. Um, and I think one of my favorite lines too of the bag is one of the bad guys pulls out a chest. He's like, who the fuck would like carry a, a, a game of chess with them. Oh yeah. <laughs> when they're still deciding whether Santa Claus is yeah. real or isn't real. I thought that was super funny. Christmas dies tonight. That part really landed well. Uh, and like when it happened, I was like, okay, great. This is cool. But then also was like, maybe they just randomly did it. Was it was a happy accident. Yeah, it was a happy accident. But no. then I was glad to hear that it wasn't. <laughs> As we wrap up our review of Violent Night, what are some final thoughts that you have? of the horror-esque Christmas film. It It comes out December 2nd. Uh, Go see it in a theater if you can with as many people as you can because it's really fun to see with a packed audience. And if you see, if you want to see more horror movies like this, more unique horror movies like this, Barbarian, Pearl, all the ones I mentioned earlier, just you got to go see them or rent them or, you know, just give them the viewership that they need because, you know, in the age of, Marvel movies and all these regurgitated kind of ideas. It's really refreshing to see something new, even if it's not a horror movie, you know, if it's something else. But lately, like I said, horror has kind of been having this resurgence of originality that I think is really, really cool to see, especially everyone's reaction to it. Me and you always talk about movies that are worth seeing in the theater and then some movies that don't translate so well. This one definitely translates to seeing it in a big movie theater, in a, you know, large crowd. And I would say even go for opening weekend because I think that's when you're going to get the fullest theaters. Um, One of my fears of this film is that it'll get lost with all the, again, award season films that are coming out, all the holiday centric films, and maybe people don't even go out because the weather isn't great right now. But definitely, if you can, go see it opening weekend. And like Angie said, the only way that these movies will be continue to be made is if you support them, you know, and I hate to say it, but the opening weekend box office is so important now. It shouldn't be, but it is. And studios look at that stuff. And if it's a big opening, odds are they're going to make more of them. And so if you want to see more of these films, definitely support it in any way that you can, but really try to go see it in the theaters because you're not going to be disappointed unless you like hate horror. (laughs) Right. And even if you do I don't know. I feel like everyone's kind of a little bit of a horror fan now just because it's so popular. Um, and I think that it's going to become like a yearly movie that like, I know beyond Fest is going to do yearly viewings of it in the yeah. theater. I definitely feel like it's going to become like a classic, uh, Christmas movie, even though it's like a horror one, but yeah, I definitely think they'll be showing it in theaters for a while. That concludes our review of Violent Night. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast. And again, if you haven't listened to uh, our other podcasts, we've done reviews on Halloween Ends, Halloween Kills. We just did one on The Menu, which you should check out. 
Um, and there's going to be plenty more with award season right around the corner. We're going to be watching all those films and making podcasts of some of those films. And like I said, we're on Twitter and on Instagram at KamoviePod, which where we show previews and hints to what upcoming uh, podcasts we're going to be doing. We also, like I said, do a video podcast on YouTube and we'd love for any comments, likes, subscriptions, obviously, because that all helps us in the long run. And we want to hear from you guys, you know, any movies that you guys wish that we would do. And if you disagree with us, we'd love to hear that as well. All of that helps the algorithm and just helps us try to make this podcast the best that it can be. Once again, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys on the next one. Cut. That's a wrap. Bye.